Hey, hey, Madison. Hey, what? Why was the geologist sad? Because he's not a paleontologist? I don't know. He didn't want to talk about it. I don't get that joke at all. Talk, Is my mic coming in okay? T-A-L-C, talk. Talk? Talk. Talk. I don't know. It doesn't, it, it I think you Southerners are weird. Talk. You call me a Southerner. I grew up in Washington, D.C. Talk. <laughs> I'll still say Pidget, though. Do you call it talcum powder? Talcum powder. Talcum powder. <laughs> yeah, I say talcum powder. <laughs> you Southerners. The South as the nation's capital, I guess. Uh, yeah, we... I mean, you guys have, like, the Virginia influence, so... Yeah, a little bit. That. Northern Virginia, nobody wants to claim. <laughs> We're our own thing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's like that sunny... That episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they're trying to name states and they're like, Virginia, West Virginia, East Virginia, North Virginia. <laughs> we're, we're, it's its own little, it's its own little pocket. But we're not talking about, about Virginia or the South in this episode. Wait, why not? We need, we need that, that addition into Pokemon. We need a Virginia Mon. I don't know what it would be. We already have a Virginia based Pokemon. What's that? Oh, Sableye. Oh, because of the gems? No, because it's based on, um, it's not. It's not Virginia, is it? Like Tennessee? No, yeah, it's it's uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, that's it. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. No, we are. We're talking rocks. Lucas is bringing back uh, Ed the Lava Guy. Lucas did a fantastic interview that I think you all are really gonna enjoy. I want to interview Ed next time because third time's the charm. There you go. We'll set something up. We need we need a new generation with some more fire volcano Pokemon. We can get Ed back in here. Or we'll just figure something I mean, out. next generation, Brazil, right? Yeah, we'll get something in there. Brazil. So on that, let's just jump into the news so we can get to the topic, Madison. Brazil. Well, in the, in the less good news here in North Carolina... The western portion, the nose of North Carolina, if you will, is being invaded by armadillos. How is that bad news? Because they are tearing up yards, crops, agricultural fields. Good. The armadillos deserve their revenge after all these years of being roadkill? They are. <laughs> but do you know why the armadillos are in North Carolina? Because someone brought them there. Uh, no, they naturally migrated here because of climate change. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that was my next guess. <laughs> No, they, they've been slowly migrating up from, te- uh, well, obviously they came from uh, Central America well, to Texas. they have armadillos in Florida. Yeah, no, they've been, they've been, sl- they basically came up in Texas in like 1840s and very slowly started like migrating. And then as the temperatures got warmer in the back half of the 20th century, really started to like push out. I think they first appeared in North Carolina in like 2007. But they are becoming a very big problem. But they're moving up into the Blue Ridge Mountains and they're causing all kinds of havoc because they're uh, foragers. So, you know, they're digging up all the crops yeah. and roots and all that kind of stuff. But they also don't have any predators because armadillos aren't from here. Well, we need to introduce their predator. I think it's like cougars and alligators are like the things that can like chomp their shells. Well, then we need to introduce alligators to Northern Carolina Mountains. <laughs> I think the, the the other problem, I don't know if you, if you, 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 pro, you probably knew this. I learned this when I was reading about it, but a female armadillo gives birth in fours. Wait, what? So they, when, the, when the egg is fertilized, it splits into four and armadillos give birth, uh, give birth in quartuplets. Is that what? Quintuplets? Four, four. Quintuplets, four babies. Um, That's crazy. So, so they like, reproduction wise, they can drive up their numbers super fast because they also become sexually mature at one year of age. So it's basically an armadillo is born and then a year later it can give birth to four more if it's a female. Really? So they can reproduce stupid fast. How do we get rid of them? I think they're trying to figure that out or just manage them. Maybe like you said, get some gators up here. I don't know. I mean, we're paying people to shoot wild boar. Oh, I did read about some guy that was getting about a hundred bucks for killing armadillos. Per armadillo? Per armadillo, yeah. He was getting a hundred bucks. How do you get that job? Uh, from the article I was reading, it sounds like people just call him <laughs> and he shows up and shoots it and they give him a hundred bucks. <laughs> it does not seem legitimate at all. But 
Is he releasing the armadillos on people's property? <laughs> that That's when it comes full circle. He's the one that brought the armadillos <laughs> to, to North Carolina. To the entire state. It, it, it's, it's a long con. <laughs> <laughs> He's smarter than me, apparently. Yeah, you're, you're just saying they're doing garbage. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, if it if it keeps getting warmer, they'll start working their way up uh, West Virginia and maybe get into Ohio with you. If they get into Ohio, the coyotes will eat them. Oh, okay, that's when we'll get to their predators. We have we have coyotes everywhere. <laughs> so yes, that that is my my bit of science news, Madison. You want to share some some fun Pokemon news with us, though? I do know that recently in the anime, Cynthia has Kamo O. Oh, yes. Kamo O O O. Why? Why do you like that? Why? Why are you excited about Cynthia? Because I just love Cynthia because she's amazing. Yes. I mean, isn't fair. she like the perfect role model? She's the best of the like kind, the smart, and then like a killer, <laughs> destroyer of teams, and and all of all of your ten year old dreams. Um. Well, I wasn't ten. I was like twenty. But yeah. Uh. Uh. Sarina though is coming to Pokemon Unite. That's cool. Yeah, gotta get those, gotta get those big legs in there. Unfortunately, Queenly Majesty is not gonna do Zarina much good in Pokemon Unite, though. Yeah, but it might be really good because of those high kicks. <laughs> Just kicking everything in the face. No, I, I, I keep trying to think of Unite as like Pokin, mm. but it's not. It's a, it's, it's a, um, oh my god, what's the name for it? Moba. Moba, which is what Star Wars is doing now, right? Everyone's trying a Moba. Ugh. Everyone's gonna try MOBA. Everyone's gonna try Battle Royale. When are we making the Poké Science MOBA? <laughs> you can you can take that on. I think I think we had a thread, the four of us talking about it at one point as a joke. Yeah. Oh no, yes, we definitely did. I think I decided that all my DLC was gonna be like really revealing. <laughs> I feel like they're gonna do some big reveal though for um, when Arceus comes out, like something to tie it with it. I hope like. Well, I think after Arceus, they're gonna announce Gen Eight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because RCS is January. Don't they usually do an update February. in like February? Yeah, yeah, right around their birthday. So I'm imagining Gen 8 will be announced next February. I'm telling you, I'm putting my money on Brazil. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you will have either way, though, I'm years. really excited for RCS. Um, mm. I told Kevin we needed to buy the new games, and he was like, oh, RCS looks good. And I was like, no, no, Diamond and Pearl, buddy. We haven't even bought those yet. And he's like, oh, those are out? Uh, speaking of which, how many bug fixes have they had? They're on their like third one now? I They got three updates in. <laughs> they're they're getting they're getting there you know they'll, they'll get it someday uh but it's still it's still very fun i i need to buy it just money is tight right now um yeah. i think we plan to get it like around christmas or something um for all of mm-hmm. us because i know lila really wants it next monday in fact if you check out the i'm gonna shamelessly plug my other show <laughs> but if you check out the um flaming dice podcast on twitch on monday nights i think it's gonna be at like 6 30 we're starting a new campaign, like a new, it'll be, it's going to be called Flaming Family. Um, it's for my, my daughter. We're starting a new D&D campaign, um, Lila, and then Kevin's playing it, and then my best friend, um, oh yeah, you met Sarah. And we're all playing in this game, and Lila like created the entire backstory. It, it'll be fun to watch. I do recommend tuning in. It should be funny. You have Pogo news real quick, though. As always, yes. Yeah. So a couple, always, a couple, yeah. a couple, there's always The only something. thing Chris knows about. I know about other things, but I feel like I represent the Pokemon Go community of the four of us. I feel like that's a fair statement. That's because the rest of us have real lives. I have a real life. I have a job and a wife. Um, Who did Homer Simpson? I mean, yeah, but he he does it for her, a.k.a. Maggie. (laughs) If you want to have feels, go watch that episode. It's a great episode. I don't remember what it's called. But in Pokemon Go. So the couple big things we'll hit real quick, but they just released Drudagon. Is that how you say it? And he looked he looks cool, but much like the game, he's kinda lame sauce when it comes to battling. And Mega Steelix is also coming into raids. But uh they announced the so that last I guess it was last year we had the Pokemon Go tour kanto event and so they just announced in february right around their birthday uh they're doing a johto event um so it'll be the same kind of thing where you pick whether you want to be silver or gold uh and you get the the special exclusives and it's the whole two-day event uh i think on the back half of february it should be a lot of fun i had a lot of fun at the last one so i'm looking forward to this one but 
that's all the uh, that's all the updates in Pokemon Go that I have. So now we can just turn it over to our friend in Japan, Lucas. Hello, everybody. It's me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are ready for a really fun interview because we were able to bring him out of the volcanic crater in which he spawned from our good buddy, the volcanologist, Ed. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing great, Lucas. Thanks for uh, dragging me out of that volcano. It was a bit hot in there. Yeah, it was a, li- a little toasty. Just a little bit. It's a, just a touch. Just a touch. So um, just a quick refresher for some of our newer listeners. Who the heck are you? Um, so my name's Ed, and I'm a PhD student um, at Leicester in the UK, and I study very, very old volcanoes um, in the north of England to try and understand what happened to them, what happened when they erupted, and what we can take from that to apply to other volcanoes around the world. Awesome stuff, and you're exactly the guy we needed, because truth be told, of the main members of our team, one of our weaknesses for the past four years, we don't know anything about rocks or crystals or geology of any kind. Super glad you could come back and help us out with this one. Not a problem. I mean, there's plenty of rock types to talk about. Uh, I, I was doing, when I was doing research for this episode, we literally, when we were talking, like, okay, you had all these ideas, and like, dude, I... And there's a, there's only so much time people will tolerate talking about rocks. We have to whittle this down, or I mean, chisel it down if you want to get punny. <laughs> Very true. I mean, me and a friend of mine uh, on Twitter, we run a Geomon Cup where we pit all your favorite uh, geology themed Pokemon together, and we have to pick thirty two for that each year, and even that's a challenge. So, um, can you just give a basic rundown on what geology is and what like i mean on the basic level i get it study earth but can you give a better description than something i just made up (laughs) yeah i mean yeah as you say on the basic level um i've had a lot of friends just ask me like is it just rocks and for the most part yes it's it's the study of planetary bodies um from their birth to their current state and we study them largely through the rocks that they're made of, how those rocks form. Um, but it's not just also the rocks. We also look at the environmental factors like life on Earth. How is life coping? Um, climate studies. And then more recently, there's been a lot of work on sort of like social related aspects of it. So science communication and how can we talk more about rocks and the earth to other people how does geology affect the everyday person obviously with the scientific community knowing how the earth was formed gives us a better knowledge increases our understanding of the planet we live on and the universe we're a part of but what does that have to do with any of us just trying to get by on a day-to-day basis there are a lot of answers that i could give for this but to make sure that i don't ramble too much um (laughs) There's obviously like for people who live near volcanoes and earthquakes, it's important to know the dangers that you live around. Um, But I think for the everyday today person, um, like geology has shaped mankind so much from like the stone age when we took tools and built them to help us hunt and gather and everything um, all the way up to like, California is as glorious as it is because of the gold rush, primarily. So I think like a lot of people don't realize how much geology has shaped human evolution and continues to do so. When you brought up science communication, how does that work into geology? It, it makes sense from like someone like a climatologist bringing it up or a biologist, but how does a geologist work with uh, science communication? I feel when a lot of people like, think of geology one of the things that they think of is like oil and gas and mining and digging and they think like quite a lot of negative thoughts towards that because it is very destructful and impactful to the planet especially in current times when we're trying to look after it but one thing that 
we do actually when we look to mine things we try to find the best and most environmentally friendly way to do it so part of the science communication is to say we don't just go in explode some rocks take out the stuff that we want and just leave it a mess we do try and protect the planet we are trying to look after it as best as we can Uh, that does also bring up the point of yes when i think of geology in terms of making money i assume that like every gas company every mining company on the planet has geologists on the payroll so it is interesting to see that while yes you are correct there are definitely those who want to push it forward clearly there are going to be those who might not have that same feeling as you obviously it's a wide field a lot of differing opinions yeah yeah there are a lot of cases and uh, also like within my field of volcanology there's a lot of miscommunication between the public about volcanoes Um, like last time we said about people wanting to blow volcanoes up it was actually a recent idea for uh, for La Palma going off in the Canary Islands at the moment apparently the government wanted to blow that volcano up to stop it from erupting and that just doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. I, I'm not even joking. Like, this is dead serious. Before we started this interview, I was on Hulu, and I just started watching Volcano. I completely forgot we were doing the interview until I was, like, 10 minutes in. It's like, oh, this is ironic. <laughs> and I was trying to think of all the things you told me about Volcanoes. I was like, I wonder if any of this is correct. Not much of it. Especially uh, the scene in the subway tunnel where the guy just melts into the lava like it's acid. That doesn't happen. I I figured that he would be dead, but not that kind of dead. You know, if that makes any sense. More sort of like a toasty marshmallow than dissolving acid. That is somehow more tasteful and yet equally disgusting. Yeah. So we know about the oil and the gas. We obviously know about volcanoes, thanks to you. What are some other fields of of um, geology that most people don't really consider? Um, so there's actually a relatively new field within geology that's coming out. And like everybody knows about our effects on climate change. And you mentioned recently in one of your talks about the sixth mass extinction. But... I don't think many people Mm -hmm. realize that these, along with a few other man-made indicators, have had such a dramatic effect on Earth that we can now see the existence of humans within the rock record. So the rock record on Earth goes back, we have a solid record back to about three and a half billion years, but the Earth is 4.5 billion years. And even within all of that, we are now actually preserving ourselves in the rock record, which I think is just crazy, really. So we're in there now. So from now on, when like in a hundred million years, when the squids take over the planet, they'll be able to dig up and find remnants of humanity piled into the rocks like so many trilobites. Yes, they will be able to dig up a rock and they can say, humans existed when these rocks formed that's really cool that's awesome things like uh, red bricks and concrete and even plastic like those are not natural uh, materials they're things that we've made and those are things which will get preserved in the rock record to say that we were here that is an interesting way of putting at it uh, humanity is all almost always about leaving our mark that's something we obsess with we kind of already did yep. not in the most positive light but it's a mark we did. that will definitely outlast us for millions of years that's incredible to think about so obviously there are other fields as well you said it was the formation of planets from their beginning to the present so that means that there are definitely there are astrogeologists is that a correct term i just made it up oh uh, yeah i mean we tend to call them planetary scientists so it gives a bit of that's a, a better name yeah bit of a disconnect from <laughs> geology because uh, we tend to be a bit lazy in the naming of other geology um subdivisions like uh, there's geochemistry and geophysics which we got very lazy on the naming there geobiology got <laughs> a bit more thought put into it they're just called paleontologists instead <laughs> I, I kind of like that the, the biology one is the one that actually got the good name. Hooray for biologists. 
Yep, they put a lot more time and thought into it, whereas the others just got lazy and just thought, eh, geo means earth, earth chemistry, geochemistry, sorted. Whatever, let's get back to work. We got a name. Come on, back to work. Shoo, shoo, go, go, go. Yep, we're done now. We got a title. Let's look at these rocks. <laughs> so the other thing I did want to ask you, obviously geology is one of those sciences where most people aren't are going to kind of grow out of it. You know, it's kind of like paleontology in that regard where a lot of kids get really interested when they're young and either they find another interest that's a little more exciting to them or fits their purpose or sadly their parents discourage it. Mm. How would you want to recommend someone getting into any of this sort of stuff? Like geology, like it's not, let's be honest. When you say you want to study rocks in front of your high school junior introduction, like it's not going to get you the oohs and ahs you would wish. No, I had one friend who uh, genuinely thought I was joking about going to uni to study geology. And it wasn't until I came back and he told me and he literally thought I was joking for the whole time. <laughs> yeah. What did he think you were taking? I don't know, to be honest. Anything but that, really. <laughs> I thought you were going to be an orthodontist. <laughs> Something more logical. Um, yeah, I'd say it like... It is a tricky one to get into, especially with like a lot of schools, um, especially here in the UK, they don't teach geology. So for myself, I had to do geography mm. along with the other science subjects. And I had to study them until I could eventually go to uni and study geology itself. But that actually turned out to be really helpful anyway. It didn't put me at a disadvantage to those who did study geology. Um, because as I said, like we study a lot of different aspects, like with chemistry and physics, we took everything I learned in school and we just applied that to rocks when I got to uni. So I had the right background knowledge for that. So one last question before we get into the Pokemon, I, I forgot to put it in, I wanted to just ask you, what is your favorite rock? <laughs> um, I think for me, like I study things called pyroclastic rocks, which are volcanic sediments. So it makes me both a volcanologist and a sedimentologist in a way. But for me, I love them because like, they're the big explosive volcanic eruptions. They're the very dramatic, the very dangerous ones. But at the same time, they're just, it gives that kind of like adrenaline rush and when you watch them explode. Uh, that's actually really fun to just think about like, oh, what's your favorite rock? The kind that explodes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the kind which buried Pompeii. Oh, so, so it is. It's like, very dangerous Very ones. dramatic, very theatrical rocks. Yep. Incidentally, um, me and buddy of mine were talking about like how all these video games like to use obsidian as like this super rock. And we're like, isn't that stuff like super brittle and would shatter after like one hit? Yeah, it's literally volcanic glass. So it does just crack. <laughs> That's what we said. It's like, listen, you could like, you know, make a rudimentary shotgun blast out of it and it would hurt like heck, but like it's going to shatter. <laughs> it's not, it's not great. Yeah. It's, it's useful for making tools out of like knives and blades because you can just chip off little tiny bits and it does make a very sharp, fine edge. It cuts you very easily speaking from experience. Ouch. Um, but yeah, it, does if you just hit it with a hammer it will just smash and explode well, i'm glad you're okay from that one i mean that must be an interesting cut to say like i guess every science kind of has their own weird injury of like biologist marine biologist oh i got scraped by shark skin with the chemist ah oh, that was just an acid burn the geologist well this volcano you know pooped out this super shark rock and it sliced up my finger with me barely touching it yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was only sort of like a few like paper cuts, but they're all over my hand just from a few small, tiny pieces within a pyroclastic flow. Hey, man, don't knock the paper cut. Those things sting. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's afterwards as well when you put it in water or something. Oh, yeah. You, know, you just them. notice like, huh, my hands feel fine. Now to use the hand sanitizer to get rid of the COVID-19. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we have... A big list of rock types we wanted to dive into. So let's just go ahead and cut right into it. Sounds good to me. All right. So 
we got to start with the first rock types you really encounter in the game. That is two of them. Uh, let's talk about Geodude and let's talk about Onyx. So what are your take on these two rock Pokemon, the Geodude line and the Onyx line? I think um, starting off with them, they're quite a funny one, especially like Geodude because it's essentially like a pet rock. They just gave it arms and face and just stuck it on. It's quite a funny one there. Um, the names as well are great names which fit them. Golem is a strange one though in the Geodude line because it goes from rock with two arms to rock with four arms to a turtle with a rock shell. I, I always imagine his head more like a snake, like someone just stuck a, like a snake got stuck on a rock and then at the same time like grew arms and legs. It would it, it definitely not, it's not the seamless transition you thought it would be. No, I was very surprised when I first managed to evolve my Graveler into a Golem and I saw it and I was like, oh, I mean, it looks cool, but still, yeah. oh. It's a pleasant surprise. Uh, now, there is a Pokedex entry that I thought was really interesting. It says, like, uh, there are plenty of them to be found on any along any road. A scholar with too much free time once encountered a hundred of them along a single route. <laughs> I mean, I, I love I love Moon. I love Sun and Moon so much because whoever wrote those Pokedexes has zero chill of any kind. Yeah, I think it is actually possible. Like with Geodudes, like their name, as it suggests, they are Geodes in a way, living Geodes. But like Geodes tend to form in either volcanic or sedimentary rocks when things called hydrothermal fluids, so it's essentially just really hot water which has a lot of minerals in them, passes through these rocks and they'll find a void and the minerals within the rocks will start to precipitate out and it will form these nodules, which inside are loads of crystals. So if you happen to find a rock type, which has had these fluids pass through it, had lots of voids and form lots of geodes, once you find that bed of geodes, you will find hundreds of them probably. So I can imagine that it to be possible. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't even think about that. The weird thing, though, is that the whole group is technically a rock type, but there's also the theory that they're not actually rocks. They just look like rocks. Like, they're perfectly, like, they're organic, but they, like, just have a rocky appearance. They have some rocks to protect them. They just camouflage. It's just a, that's something I think is really funny. But that theory goes right out the window when you get to the Alolan ones. So apparently they're magnetic? Yeah. That is... I actually... Is that like a thing you deal with? Like, Yeah, I think... like It's actually a great one because Alola is based off Hawaii. And in the lavas that erupt from Hawaii, there's a lot of stuff called magnetite. Not like the Pokemon, but actual genuine pieces <laughs> of... Um, it's an iron oxide, so it's iron with a bunch of oxygen bonded to it. And you can magnetize that and it will become a permanent magnet. So with these geodudes living on there and eating the rock on Hawaii or on Alola, they're eating all this magnetite and slowly making themselves become magnetic. That is so cool. I didn't even know that. That's so, I didn't realize that that would be such a cool thing to add to that. Wow. Yeah. They were on a whole nother level when they made that game. Didn't care as much for the story. No. But just, Man, that environment is cool. They just went all out on the Pokemon and made sure that they made very Hawaiian-themed Pokemon. And they did a very good job of it, I'd say. So cool. Especially the end, once you get to the goal. What does a Kanto Golem do? Well, it kind of explodes its shell and rolls down the hill. Cool. What did the Alolan one do? Oh, you know. Railgun. What? Yeah, it just biologically adapted a railgun to its back. For those who don't know what a railgun is, a long story short, it's basically a weapon that magnet that can shoot steel or any metal object using basically magnetic propulsion. It's kind of cool. Uh, moving on from our railgun shooting monster, I kind of want to get into Onyx because, again, another really cool rock type. And when you first see Onyx in the anime... If you've never experienced Pokemon before, there's something really cool about going, oh, this one's a caterpillar, this one's a bird, this one's a mouth, this one's a giant snake monster. <laughs> Made out of rocks. 
just make it cooler. Giant rock snake monster that the first guy has to beat you up with. And apparently, uh, its body is made out of rocks, but um, Onyx's body absorbs rocks around it to make itself harder. Like, that's just how it survives. It not only consumes rocks, but it absorbs them around them. And if it does it long enough with enough iron and steel, it turns into a steelix. What exactly is onyx as, like, the, the rock itself, like the real thing? Onyx is a mineral. It's kind of um, like quartz in a way. So it's not a genuine, like, rock, despite its look. And onyx doesn't actually look anything like the Pokemon. It tends to be sort of like quite black and white in color, not gray. So I think mm-hmm. Onyx is a Pokemon. It's everything that it's eating is literally becoming what it's eating. And because it's picking out the ions and somehow incorporating them into its system as it absorbs them, it's just becoming more and more gray. It's not too far off from what some animals do. Uh, things like poison dart frogs sequester the venom from ants to give themselves their poison. Take away the ants, and they're just really pretty frogs that you can pet. Yeah. And so it's not too far off. It's like uh, koalas as well. They eat eucalyptus leaves and just become as toxic as the leaves that they eat. I, I love that combination of geology and biology coming together like that. That's so cool mm. to me. But the next group, of rocks that we got that were really interesting were the ones that came from out of our planet. The confirmation that there are Pokemon from outside our general atmosphere. So those are things like uh, Minior, Lunatone, and Soul Rock. So what are your thoughts on uh, any of these Pokemon? I think a lot of them, I love them, to be honest, especially from a geology point of view, because as we said, planetary science is a thing. And we use meteorites a lot to be able to understand the early formation of planets because it's largely believed that like when we date the uh, the meteorites which land on earth they tend to date around 4.5 billion years ago which is the age of the earth and so what we believe these meteorites are are fragments of planets or parts of planets which didn't quite form into the big ones that we see today, like Mars and Venus and Earth. And instead, they just ended up floating around space until eventually they just collided too close to us and landed on the Earth. Meteorites themselves, they can be subdivided into there's iron meteorites or stony meteorites. And you can also get um, stony iron ones. And we believe that like the iron ones are part of the core of the earth and so even though we can't get to the core of the earth we can't get to the center of it because it's over six thousand kilometers down into the earth we know what it's made of because we look at these meteorites and we just assume that they have the same composition that's so cool i didn't realize they were that old i didn't i I thought we were getting these things every now and again i didn't realize that is that is awesome so uh, my favorite of the three, it happens to be Minior, because Minior, uh, it, it looks like a meteor, but it's technically not because it, it still lives in our upper atmosphere. That's the weird thing about it. Like it stays up there and you got to read the Pokedex because it said Minior is made from a mutated nanoparticle. That's not how that word works. No, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I always thought Minior was a meteorite. I mean, it's name sort of suggests it and its appearance as well the way it just impacts into the ground so yeah i thought it it looks like one it behaves like one but what it's actually doing is it's this little colorful blob that lives in the upper atmosphere and it just gets packed with debris that's just found up there Uh, and then eventually it gets too heavy and then gravity does what gravity does and then it just collapses like a mini a meteor yeah essentially i mean dust can get that high if you have something like a hurricane then that can whip up dust from uh, the ground and send it straight up into the upper reaches of the atmosphere. So that could be how. Or maybe if they, uh, maybe if they're forming above a high volcanic area where dust was being shot up into the air a little more often. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And that could give you the different colors as well, because Minior comes in the whole rainbow. So depending on which type of dust that 
it's picking up could influence its color. The only thing that scares me about the Pokedex entry is that it says that Minior is food for other Pokemon that live in the ozone layer. All I know that lives up there is Rayquaza. What else is living up there? For us on Earth, actually not really much. Um, I had to do a, that, that's what I, thought, I had to like, do a bit of digging into this myself just to make sure, but apparently it just tends to be like bacterial spores, which along with the dust from hurricanes, just get whipped up there. And then they actually do a similar thing as Minior, where they sort of cocoon themselves um, until then eventually sort of gravity just drops them down or the wind current becomes weak enough that they can just fall and they'll just impact into the ground and then break out of their cocoon and wander off doing whatever bacteria does make more bacteria yeah. that's all bacteria can do it's all they want to do but we do of course have two real meteors in the game lunatone and soul rock they're both meteors uh what's really I, I love about them so much is that they're just rocks from space but they somehow have complete control over like your mental state like they can read your minds or cause you to go crazy with fear what are your thoughts on these evil rocks <laughs> i think we're gonna go into a bit more detail on this i think coming up but yeah i think it's one of those things that like these are space rocks you know they've come from outer space where people don't know what's out there what aliens sent them to our planet and so i think people just sort of take that knowledge of the unknown and convert it into fear somehow and the lunar tones and soul rocks managed to weaponize that against us that does you did bring up the point we were about to talk about um certain beliefs on what rocks and meteors can do with uh gigalith mm. uh gigalith his that his he's awesome first off can we just discuss how cool his design is a hundred percent amazing design just terrifying he's a horrifying rock monster and he comes from something so cute i love his first form it's so sweet and then so nice. You can see sort of the, uh, the prerequisites of it as it evolves. And it's like, okay, getting a bit bigger. And they just, yes, spiky rock monster. And apparently it, its thing is that it can shoot energy. So it absorbs the energy from the sun to shoot laser beams. Also apparently works at construction sites along with Conkelders. You know, because the Pokedex just has light, fluffy stuff like that that I enjoy. Yeah, because what else do you need at a construction site other than... A weaponized solar beam. Yeah, no, like, hey, we need the, we need, we're out of welding fuel. We're out of fuel. We're, the guys don't want to do it. All right, move in the gigalith, sir. It's cloudy. It's gonna take a while. Eh, whatever. We'll figure it out. I just imagine a, a Pokemon construction site would be one of the few places I would actually like want to avoid in the Pokemon world, just because OSHA, uh, the people who tell you if the place is safe, would pass out. Yeah, <laughs> that place sounds so dangerous. But um, what exactly are crystals? Because I, it's one of those things where you ask people like, oh, what is dirt? And it's like, well, dirt is that, hmm, don't like the, the definition. What exactly is a crystal and how do they form? So crystals are made of minerals, which minerals themselves are made of um, elements. Mostly it tends to be sort of like uh, silica or iron, magnesium and oxygen and they all bond together like with those uh, chemistry atom sets with the balls and the rods and so you yeah, yeah 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 if you stick them together and you create your compound so you got like um silica with four oxygens forms a silicate if you get that and then you stick more of them together you start to form a bigger structure and that will form the basis of a mineral, which for silica is quartz, which it starts to form. And as you bond more and more together into a certain structure and form this crystalline framework, that builds your crystals up. And then depending on... How long does that take? Um, it depends on how you form them. So some can form from the cooling of magma um which can take probably a couple of to get a decent size one maybe a couple of uh couple of years hundred years 
Um, to get really big ones, you're looking at sort of thousands of years. So not too unbelievably long by geological standards, but like by human standards, yeah, that's a while. Yeah, it's uh, to a geologist, it's kind of like a blink of an eye to us. We look at so a million years is maybe like an hour, if that, half an hour probably. It's one of the reasons um, in, when we try explaining climate to people, we explain how long ago these things take and how much time it required. People don't really have a good concept on how long deep time is. Like to, to us, 100 years is a long time. But anyone who studies any of the harder sciences is like, that's not that long. That's nothing. No, the, uh, the volcanoes I study in England, they're 450 million years old and like to a volcanologist. Hey, that's horseshoe crab age. Yeah. To a volcanologist, it can be quite um, old because you look at some which are a few million years old. But in perspective of the age of the planet, it's what, a ninth of the age of the planet? Yeah, it's not, not too ridiculously long. No. So uh, obviously, there's a cultural significance around the world to crystals. Uh, crystals have been used to try and cure everything from depression to hangover since ancient times. Uh, we did see a rise in crystal usage in the United States and in Europe thanks to the New Age movement. But it should go without saying, like, obviously, there are people who co-opt this into what they do. There are people who try and sell this crystal stuff all over. But it is important to understand that there are actual cultures that have been doing this for thousands of years who believe that crystals help attune their meditation and give off healing energy. Now, I will come out and say, I do not believe in the healing power of crystals. That's just me. But then again, I'm Catholic. Some of my belief systems are seem pretty crazy to other people. What are your thoughts on people on, on the crystals as a healing thing? Um, similar to you, although I'm an atheist, but yeah, same. They don't have the healing abilities that people believe i think like from a human standpoint and like the cultural sort of ingrainedness into us i can understand why you want them to be magical like some of the crystals look so mm -hmm. cool and so pretty but you want them to have powers but it's also the same to us as wanting fire breathing dragons to be real unfortunately they're just not Nothing that we can prove at the moment or have any evidence to support. Mm. But it has led to, um, I, I told you I would tell you this story. There was one crystal story where I had, uh, my friend told me about it. Funniest thing that happened at that aquarium he worked at. I'm not going to give any names of the building, but this aquarium had beluga whales. And they offered uh, a swim with the beluga, which you can actually do at a lot of facilities. You can meet the beluga or you can come near the beluga. I've, I've actually gotten to do it. If you ever get the chance to pet a beluga, do it. It's fantastic. Anywho, this lady, this woman shows up and she, she called and she asked, hey, I would like to schedule one of your beluga encounters, but I'm going to need to take my crystal, put it onto the beluga and absorb its essence. Will you allow me to do that? So what ended up happening was they told the woman, okay, you can do this, but you are going to need to buy you're going to need to buy all six spots to do this. And she did. She bought up all the spots. She put her crystal on the beluga, got the energy, and left a happy customer. Wow. That is dedication. That is impressive. I mean... Yeah, no, those things are not cheap. No, I can imagine. I mean, like, as a case, I think some minerals can give you effects, um, like health-related effects, but they're nowhere near as positive as people want to believe. They're not going to help you swim like a beluga. Um, depending on the minerals, which well, the elements which are in the minerals, like uranium can be found in rocks. And cinnabar, which Cinnabar Island in Kanto is named after, that mineral does exist, is a small really nice or blood red crystal and that is actually made up of mercury sulfide so that is the main crystal that we use to get mercury for which is very toxic oh, to okay. humans so so don't make a necklace out of it no not particularly i wouldn't recommend it but if any crystal or mineral is giving you um 
effects, then they're not going to be positive ones. And you should probably see a doctor afterwards. <laughs> I'm just imagining. Oh, these are anti-healing crystals. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Not going to give you super strength at all. So uh, uh, the the last group I wanted to talk about, because we're, we're kind of running low on time. Uh, I want to talk about Deancey and uh, Roly Coley. Mm. First off, again, Colossal. We talked about him when Galar first came out. Fantastic design. It's proof that an ability to, can overcome terrible typing. Love it. But they, they both have something in common in that they're both made out of carbon. So what is the relation between um, coal and a diamond? Um, I mean, first of all, I'd say, like, being a British person, Roly Coley is probably one of my favorite Galarian um, Pokemon. It's, if I had to come up with a geology-themed Pokemon for the UK, coal would be the first thing I'd go to. So I love it. I've seen the art of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. I, I understand. Um, yeah, I feel a lot of people would say, everyone sort of knows this whole thing about you can turn coal into diamond. And I have to break the news to you, but it's not strictly true. That's not how diamonds form. Oh. Diamonds. Are you saying Santa did not just give me like a bag of almost diamonds that i'm actually just that bad yeah unfortunately you are on the naughty list and one thing that we know this to be true is because if you do some uh, age dating of diamonds they actually tend to be about one to 3.5 billion years old whereas plants <laughs> on earth excuse you yeah they are incredibly old how old Natural diamonds are in the billions of years, whereas plants on Earth have only been on Earth for about half a billion years. So diamonds existed before plants did. That's pretty wild. Like the, I mean, you you hear about like diamonds being so precious, but I understand that there's actually like they're not as precious as people think. It's not that hard to find a diamond. No, um, so diamonds themselves they form deep, deep down in the crust, um, which is the surface layer of Earth, is what we walk on. But they form underneath what are called cratons, which are the oldest parts of the crust, which formed millions of years ago, hundreds of millions, billions of years ago. And they're about 200 kilometers thick. And down there underneath them are the right temperature and pressure um, conditions to grow these diamonds is where it's hot enough and deep enough to make them and once they form you then get lava tubes which go all the way through these cratons and they're called kimberlite pipes and they bring up the diamonds through the magma and erupt them into literal diamond volcanoes and so that's why once you find one, you'll find tons because they all form around these volcanoes. And so Deancey is able to do all of that nonsense with just her hands. Like she literally claps her hands together and just makes them. Yeah. I mean, that's actually something we've been managing to do recently. We've, we can actually make synthetic or lab-grown diamonds um, under a lot lower um, pressure um, environments. Apparently, uh, you stick them into a very specially modified microwave, and you can you start off with a diamond seed, and you stick them into a vacuum of some hydrogen and uh, I think it's some nitrogen as well, and you microwave these little tiny diamond crystals, and it will grow them much much faster. Apparently, it's uh, a week per carat to grow a diamond. So wait, all it would take is 24 weeks and you can get a 24 karat diamond? Mm -hmm. That's not that bad. Which makes, it's made diamonds a lot cheaper recently. And particularly as well, it's made them a lot more environmentally friendly because we don't have to dig up these diamonds anymore. And they have exactly the same characteristics. And nor do we have to have like horrifying slave labor or blood diamonds or anything like that. Yep. So ethically and environmentally friendly, lab-grown diamonds are way to go can they make lab grown crystals too because that's something i forgot to mention um for the people who do buy crystals who are listening be careful mm. um brazil is one of the largest producers of crystals in the world 
and the miners who go in there and get those crystals for people in order to keep the prices down, they are paid pennies. The It is blood-soaked labor to get some of these crystals out there. So can we make them in a lab? Yes, we can make them in a lab. Um, you probably will see them if you go into a shop which sells rocks. You can see some of them which have these very sort of metallic spray paint look colors to them. And those are um, fake crystals in a way. They're not naturally grown. Same with bismuth ones. Um, bismuth is sort of a metallic element and you can grow that into a lab and they form these really cool um, kind of like a maze uh, structure pattern to them. It's the same with uh, fake fossils as well. You'll find them a lot. Uh, say, sold in the same shops usually. All right. So I think you already know the last question I have to ask you. We did it once. You got to do it again. <laughs> if you could select any kind of rock type of any one shape or form to add into the game, what would you do? Um, I've got two for this. One's a quick one just because it's a modification to a pre-existing one. And that would be crustal. Crustal, like, geology changes so dramatically from place to place, and yet crustal shell does not, no matter where it's found. So I'd love to see something similar to, like, Bavillion's wings, where depending on what environment you catch it in, it has different wing pattern. And same with crustal, like, depending on where you catch it, on a beach or up a mountain, you've got different shells. I think that would be a lot more realistic, a lot cooler. I'd be really funny if you just like found a crustle and it's like just filled with like little specks of gold because of the area it was found in. That'd be really mm. cool. And then the other one for a new Pokemon to actually get my imagination doing something. Uh, I'd love to see <laughs> Anthropocene rocks. So these man-made rocks that we talked about at the start have one sort of made out like bricks or something i think that would be cool it'd be a great way to teach people about our effects on the world and our effect on the rock record so you just want us to make like just a brick like a brick that attacks people it could do yeah it just throws itself at people i think stack attacker pretends to be one of those when it's just a wall of eyes that thing still creeps me out or it could have a whole wall of bricks in a way, just have a sentient wall. I mean, we've got weirder Pokemon. That's true. We do have weirder Pokemon. I think it would be really cool to have a synthetic rock type, like almost like like those synthetic diamonds. Like someone tried to remake a Deancey, or someone tried to like improve, like try and take a Roly Coley and try and turn it into a diamond, mm. and like it just goes horribly wrong or horribly right. There's uh, there's one thing that we have called uh, pseudo fossils, which are fake fossils. It's called dendritic manganese. So it's manganese minerals which have formed these patterns and they look like plants. So you could easily have it that you could get a pseudo fossil, give it to a paleontologist and try and have them reanimate this fossil. And it turns out they just bring this rock to life instead because it's not a fossil at all. I mean, that would go along with the horrible paleontological mistakes that they made in Galar. Uh, Every time I look at Dracovish, I feel pain. They're such terrible fossils. I love like the backstory. I love the backstory of like how paleontologists just got two different fossils and tried to make them work because that actually did used to happen and probably still does happen now. Mm -hmm. But still horrifically terrifying. And the Pokedex entries just make it worse. You and my friend Will from the Common Descent podcast would get along brilliantly. We've gone on tangents. We've had him on the show to bring on rants. Oh, Dracovish, your goofy face brings me joy, but your body brings me pain. What's the, uh, the fish one as well, which it went extinct because its mouth's on top of its head. It's like, why? Why? What, what happened to you? Who did this? What god would allow this upon his children? I was so disappointed by them. I really was. Oh, God. On this level of disappointment, Ed, I got to thank you so much for coming back on the show again. We do not know crap about rocks, but you do. And I want to thank you so much for teaching people a bit more about this. So where can more people learn about what you know? Um, I think for anyone who uh, can't wait to go to uni like I did, uh, if you go to a natural history museum, they tend to have a great collection of 
rocks and fossils. Um, but if you don't have any of them nearby either, you could also check your local unis and see if they teach geology. And if so, get in contact with some of the staff there. Um, you can check their staff pages, see what they study, and just ask if you could talk to them. Like if you're interested in volcanoes, find one who studies that, or if you're interested in fossils, find one who's a paleontologist, and just ask if you can talk to them, uh, bring your favorite rock along, ask them to explain it. And from my experience, they'd be more than happy to do so. No one really appreciates like how much of an impact that has when someone actually calls you like yeah you're the expert on this can you answer my son's question like oh that feels so good we had it the other week when uh, a family just showed up to the uni with their son and they said he's interested in geology we just happened to be nearby and one of the lecturers gave him a private tour of the department just to show them around and show them what we do so it happens all the time. That's so nice. Yeah, more people should do that. I think we'd all appreciate it. Mm, definitely. All right, Ed. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you guys in the next one. If you don't hear from me on any of the major episodes again, I'll be on on the Lucas Lectures as usual. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. Thanks, Ed. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Lucas, thank you so much for conducting that interview, and thank you to our guests. I really – I get to interview Ed next time. We'll, we'll mark it down, and we'll make sure that, that Ed Third knows time is the charm, and Ed just seems like a nice person. So – and all of all of the uh, the work that he's done with us has been very fun and entertaining, and he's he's always great to have on the show. Like, Ed, if you're a D&D player, hit me up. So, but on that one, on that note, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us, joining us for another week. Uh, as always, if you want to help uh, support the show, you can uh, like and leave a review in your podcasting app of choice. If you would like to contribute to the Patreon, that information, as always, is in the show notes. Wait, the most important news, you, me, Lucas, and Don have been working on some amazing uh, inter- our episodes for next year. We're going to do, like, we're hitting the ground running next year. I'm really, really excited that we are working on inter- on episodes that have been requested that I don't think most people would even, like, think about. I'm really excited. 2022 is going to be a good year uh, for, for, for some episodes from us. Plus, we'll get Lucas back into our recording time zone. Wait, when? Uh, I think he's coming back in March. He better fly up to Ohio for my birthday or we're not going to be friends anymore. But yeah, Lucas will, will be back and we'll have to figure out, the, you know, how we how we're shaping all the, the episodes and all that going forward. But um, <gasps> does that mean Lucas and I get to do um, get to do uh, Colossal Con together for the first time? Potentially. We'll have Even to see though, how the year like, shakes I out. love Lucas and he's fun, but it's much more fun to do conventions with Don. Don, how many caffeine pills have you done? Fourteen. So, uh, but it'll be it'll be a, I think it's going to be an exciting year for the show. Hopefully, we continue to grow. Well, and we're like trying we to branch have. out too. Normally, we've looked at within our own fan base or people who are Pokemon fans for the interviews, and our new goal is to not just pigeonhole ourselves that way, and to really look at people like maybe they don't know anything about Pokemon, but they're experts in their content area. And I think that's going to be the big switch for us is that now we're able to say, okay, well, what's a topic we really want to do, but maybe haven't met anyone yet. And we're going to be putting ourselves out there to find people. And I'm really, really excited. I'm telling you that, 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 that sex and gender episode, it's coming. It's coming. Are you a boy? Are you a girl? Let's talk about it. And we hit, Lucas shared it. I forget when it was. But the show hit 300,000 lifetime downloads. Uh, I think it was last month. You guys need to make it 600,000 now. I think we have we have a, 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 you know, I think with what we have in mind, I think we have a legitimate shot at breaking half a million uh, for, for, for historically speaking for the podcast next year, which would be awesome. I just want you all to keep listening and then tell more friends. Please and thank you. And continue to help this show grow because we love doing it and we love and also, having like, you all And also invite us audience. to more conventions. 
Maybe what's that? What's that city in Oklahoma? Oh yeah, the one that keeps loving us. All of our Oklahoma fans are like, that's us. Ah! Yeah, it's you. We're talking about you. We know that you love us, and we love you. So, all in all, we're gonna close this year strong, and we're gonna hit the ground running in 2022. So, I think we have a Lucas lecture next, and then I think we're doing a full team episode to close out the month. Yeah, and then we're uh, jumping into interviews in January. Yeah. So, on that, everyone, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day or night. Love you all. Take care. Bye.